Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our mission is to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and my new book, Fruitful, Becoming the Person God Created You to Be. I'm also providing resources at ericbryant.org. On today's episode, I've got my longtime friend, Octavio Martinez. <laughs> How are you doing, Octavio? I'm doing well, but, but just to, just for the record, since we're recording, it's just Octavio Caesar Martinez. Oh, sorry. So sorry. So sorry. In fact, I should have probably called you <laughs> Councilman, too. You are a Councilman. Yeah, Councilman Martinez. That's right. Right. Yes. right yeah. Yeah. But at some point, the we can on, talk. The Honorable. The it's Honorable. actually what's funny. Right. I get that in correspondence, the Honorable uh, Councilman. Nice. It's, it's a strange nice. role. <laughs> well, and at some point, we can certainly talk about engaging in politics as a person of faith. Sure. Oh, I don't want to be politically agnostic. Uh, yes. And, oh, and at, okay. And, and at the same time, uh, part of why I wanted to interview you is mm-hmm. your most recent book, I think is a great example of the authenticity that mm. people of faith need to share, express. Uh, mm. Tell folks the name of your book. Yeah. it's The book is called it was a beautiful day when my father died, and it's uh, almost spot on. You can always tell someone's relationship with their father by how they react to that title. So for some people, if they had a good relationship, they they think that it was a very beautiful moment. He died in my arms, and you know it was a lovely thing, and that wasn't it. Some people, perhaps without really thinking too much about it, they think, oh, it was it a was it a nice weather day? You know, and it happened to be that as well. And others think, man, you are a horrible human being that you are glad that your father died. But unfortunately, there was a lot of that. And so the title is provocative on purpose to get someone's attention. It is very interesting. It's like a Rorschach test. Uh, and exactly. I heard it. I heard it as you know having a chance to know you and uh started the book i i know that at least the way i heard it um i heard it as r- relief in in a in a hard relationship yes. coming to an end and i recently lost yes. my my father and i felt like we had a lot of great years near the end even even though we didn't understand yeah. each other growing up but talk about <laughs> what is it like um kind of sharing your story, opening up as you have. It costs you something to be so vulnerable, authentic. Well, why why you do know, you go he, there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's easier than trying to pretend you're something that you're not. Mm-hmm. And it's easier not having to try to keep your story straight. <laughs> you know, I, I think for if there's pastoral leaders and Christian leaders watching this, they realize that they might be uh, divided in that they are some ways in their public face. And then they have a close friendships or leadership team. And they're a certain way with those folks. And then there might be some friendships or places where, quote, they let their hair down. And maybe they're a little more cynical or darker than they would be in other places. So with with me, I, I, and I'm not the hero in this book, but I'm pretty much what you see is what you get, whether uh, you like it or not. It's it's much easier than trying to remember who am I supposed to be with this guy now. 
And um, I recall my wife was often concerned that if I shared with people who I really was, that they would lose respect for me. And I, I was convinced that if they did, then they're not being honest with us or themselves. Because over the years, and I'm sure you would agree with this, Eric, is that everybody's got a, a bag of black rocks. Everybody's got some skeletons in their closet. Every sinner has a, a future, but we're all sinners. We all have something that we weren't at our best, that we could have done better, that we wince at thinking about how cruel or nasty or sensual or petty uh, we were at certain stages of our lives at certain moments. So the other part of it is that folks see my wife and I, and, and they assume that we had a, you know, just a great experience growing up. And my father, like my wife's parents, they were, they were broken like we were. The difference is, is that I had good men, good friends, good people. You're one of them who spoke into my life and called me on my crap and put the brakes on me so that I did not lose all the battles as unfortunately my dad did. Mm. Well, I think there's something so beautiful about what you said. I mean, we served together, you know, at Mosaic mm. for many, many years. Yeah. And there is something unusual. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't so rare, but to have honest friendships, <clears throat> to have community where you can be open and honest is really, really important. For those pastors, church leaders who are listening, I mean, you've shared many messages in your day. What have you noticed about being authentic in terms of how it helps people in your congregation move forward? Well, first of all, uh, I, I don't know what it, by the way, do you hear any dogs barking? Because I got a couple of dogs going nuts outside. <laughs> no, I don't hear them. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I'm convinced of this and I, I will, I will bet your right arm that this is true. And that is <laughs> that um, people have this strange hierarchical view of the ministry. They assume that people who are called to that holy place, that they are holy men and women who are wholly devoted to the Lord and have never screwed up. And the reality is that's not the reality. Mm -hmm. So at the risk of not um, disgracing the pulpit, to be frank and honest with people, whether it's um, sharing, hey, I went through a moment like this, or how many of you have experienced something like this? I know that I have. And all of a sudden, people begin to see you as a bit more relatable. Now, if they respect and admire who you are now, I think there's a bit of hope that you give to folks that, yeah, I was this, but now I'm that. And um, and also by saying, um, I, I think you know this part of my story, I, I returned to the Church of Rome back in Easter 2016. And so my wife and I, we have the Protestant Catholic uh stuff in my house, right? It, I, I've joked that it's kind of like the Israelis and Palestinians. We've just decided <laughs> to call it truce. <laughs> right. So, um, but but it, it, it does tell people that they can, they have a future, that they can change, and they don't have to feel second class as a believer. And um, I, I've, I've always seen this over and over, that people 
have either thanked me or appreciated the fact that I was willing to share um, part of my past and be honest with it. And I'll tell you one thing else is uh, that in the book, where I think I mentioned there's a chapter about coming clean, uh, I partly lied. I partially lied because I, I told 20, 30% of the stupidity that I did. Mm. Um, anything more might have been unpublishable. So, um, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you published what so you did. Yeah, enough. Yeah, it's just enough to say yes. Uh, so, if I say to people, my dad was a AAA dad. My dad was an adulterer. He was an mm. alcoholic. He was an abuser. And I will say this: that by the time I was in my 20s, I had mimicked my father. The very thing that I hated, um, I became. Mm. Yeah, there, but for the grace of God, right? Uh, that's that's where we're all headed. So. So yeah. true. And, and and an old youth pastor, and this is the value of youth pastors, mm. uh, Lily confided in him that she was leaving. She had it. And the kids were teeny. This is, I'm still in my 20s. And uh, <clears throat> he cared enough to play a prank on me, a trick, I guess you might say. He told her to say, hey, tell him that I called you guys to come visit me in Ventura, which I used to love to go to Ventura. For the weekend so it went up there and after we dropped off lily and the kids to get settled in for the night he says hey man let's go for a drive let me show you this uh new church ever building and as soon as i got in the car with him man he lit into me and mm. i think because i loved him and respected him um i you know i i i did want to change eric i just didn't know how and i didn't mm. know who to confide in and i didn't know who to um I, I I just didn't know what step to take forward to change. Yeah. 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 Here at Gateway, we say no perfect people allowed, which really is a, a way of saying, if you're honest with where you're at, you can actually make progress, right? If we are so true, unwilling yeah. to um, remain in denial or, or move to that place of confession, it can, it can bring incredible changes. Um, I'm grateful for that youth pastor in your life all those years ago and the ways you've been an open and honest friend with me. Uh, talk about for a moment uh, the book you wrote with Goody Goodlow, Habits. Talk sure. about, yeah, yeah, what did you guys share in that and help us? So in, in that particular book, which was came out of our experiences of, of being leaders and being led, it's purely a personal anecdotal book. However, uh, Goody had the idea of like, here's a talk that I've given, and I'd like to expand it out into a book. And so we teamed up together and expanded each chapter or each point that he had in that talk. So in the end, what are some basic principles or ideas that are transferable to anybody that has influence over somebody? So let's say leadership is strictly influence. So whether you're a, a parent, a school principal, a president, um, a councilman for that matter. What are some principles that everyone shares in? So from very high, high, um, high-end operating leadership roles, military CEOs, to let's say lower roles that seem to be minor but equally as important, uh, dealing in a school board, uh, running a PTA meeting. And so that's how we came up with that uh, with that book, and it seemed to do well and. Folks seem to respond to it, and and because of that, I have to thank Goody for the fact that uh, it it uh, I was approached on the idea of writing 
the second book about with my father from mm-hmm. uh, after Janine Nini, who used to work for me, mm-hmm. hired somebody else, and she had a crappy relationship with her dad, mm-hmm. and uh, she mentioned, you know, that sermon you've given about forgiveness really helped me with my dad. You should write a book. Wow. And uh, so I thought, you know, who cares? I mean, it's just my story, blah, blah, blah. Who, and, and I think because when things happen to you, it, it, it happens to you. You don't really think much of it, right? Mm-hmm. So my first baby step was to go through Apple Books because it required zero dollar investment, you know. Um, you could write a book. It's uh, an e-book, essentially. And it goes into their store. And they give you templates. And they help you out. And believe it or not, people are buying it. And then I decided to pitch that manuscript to uh, Rob Bell's um, publishing house. And they uh, immediately but politely turned it down. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know what? Swing swing for the bleachers, right? Why not? So so another author friend who helped me along, uh, I, I asked her if she could make an introduction to me to her publisher. She said, I'll do better than that. I'm just, here's, you know, here's this guy. I think you should. She made this introduction that was very, very warm, and and within a, I sent them the manuscript on a Friday. They agreed to publish it by Monday. That's great. Well, and I think yeah. that's what's beautiful is your story being authentic, is what helps someone else in their story. You know, in many ways, as we are messengers of what Jesus does in our life, just being open and honest, it creates the space for someone to say, you know what, I need that too. And yeah. like I, whenever we uh, come out with a new podcast, I like to give away copies of whatever book we're discussing. So we'll give a oh. couple of copies away for, for those sure. listening. If you're not already on my email newsletter, be sure to sign up at my website, ericbryant.org. But I, I did want to talk about your shift from being a pastor into yeah. politics. I think there's a lot of pastors who pretend they're in politics, uh, at least as, yeah. as they post online and they end up driving half their city away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. I want to yeah, hear it, about as a yeah. person of faith, how are you um, navigating stepping into yeah. this positional of leadership? Uh, on eggshells. And it's like walking on eggshells through a minefield. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, I think part of it is that uh, I didn't lead with, I'm a Christian, so therefore you should vote for me. Cause I don't think that's wise. And But I also didn't hide it if someone asked me directly. I will say that after, uh, you know, I was in, what, you know, my wife and I just turned 65, uh, October, November. So last year in July, I was 64, I was enjoying retired life. Uh, the book was, was getting some traction. I was looking forward to the end of the traveling restrictions and trying to pick up that and uh, you know, I had a little bit of money coming in from retirement, and I was approached. Um, there was a chain a chain of conversations. It's not as if somewhere in Washington D.C. said, "Get Octavio on the phone." That that I can tell you right now that didn't happen. But there were a few conversations at a state level that went down to a consulting level that went down to a friend level. Uh, Doctor David Gonzalez, I think you remember him. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so uh, David is a professor. A public administration, but he's also a political consultant. And so he tapped me on the shoulder. He says, there's been a conversation. Your name came up. Would you be interested in running for city office? And I remember thinking, oh, I know what it is. I have a beard. 
I'm Hispanic, I'm conservative, I have tattoos, and I speak Protestant and Catholic. (laughs) He goes, well, you do check off a few boxes for us, you know? (laughs) So there is some packaging that goes into this. Um, But Eric, I'll tell you, hand to God, that it, 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 it was as difficult a decision to make as it was to, to go into ministry. Mm. I, I told him I needed a week. And I did the same thing that I did prior where I, I remember kind of like that whole Moses thing. You got to be kidding me, Lord. Like, not now. Come so my on. Brother. I, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's another Hispanic somewhere, somewhere, who's, you know, who's certainly more qualified or, or, or wants to do this. and. Um, and so I began walking around the, the area. And what struck me as a couple of things was partly it was it was cowardice and concern that things that I had written and things that I had done would be uh, exposed. And then I remember thinking, but I already put in a book. So, okay, <laughs> cross that off. <laughs> then I was worried about, you know, being harassed as a believer. And I remember thinking, well, then, Somebody who is perhaps with maybe not great character is going to fill that void. Someone else is going to step in. So then I remember thinking about my own family and people that I've talked to about stepping into difficult moments or uncertain moments. But but I will say this, that I've often thought about leadership. And I think this is something I might have tacitly got from Irwin. I was always leery of anybody who wanted to be in leadership, who wanted to be in public roles. And I thought, okay, is this my own arrogance? And I said, well, no, I don't want to do this. So, <laughs> so check. I, yeah. I, had, I had run out of excuses. And yeah. the other thing is I, I didn't want to face my own sons and my daughter and my grandkids that when they needed to be encouraged to do something big or, or scary or that maybe they didn't want to do, but it was the right thing to do that. I want to be able to say, I know exactly what you went through and I, I do consider it a calling. So uh, on the one level, I, uh, and I, I mean this to all your Christian leader friends, stay in your lane. You know, you're, you're called to preach the word of God and to care for the souls of people. Stay in that lane. Um, I don't believe you can successfully navigate pastoring and politicking at the same time. And I, I realize there's some of my friends who disagree with me, but I'm convinced of it. Stay in your lane. And yeah. I would say that to, to politicians. Don't, I mean, if you go to church already, great, but don't make it a photo op. Mm. That's a good word. I think this idea of, of, you know, as church leaders, as pastors, if we can raise up people who are in lots of different lanes, you know, yeah, and, and that, that's exactly right where they go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, how can I help you discover what God's will is for your life? Right. So um, we absolutely need the laity, lay people to be in government. And I made it a not so secret goal that I was going to find Christians of all types, Protestant, Orthodox, or Catholic, and put them in positions of commissions, uh, nonprofit boards, a school board. I, I, you know, that's where the change really happens. Yeah, you know, it'd be great to have a, an authentic Jesus-following governor or president. Sure. 
Okay. Um, but at the school board level, at the commission level, at the city level, those men and women make decisions that immediately impact your life, like mm -hmm. right now. And prior, from curriculum that's going to be taught to uh, particular types of centers that might be built in your city where money might be spent for causes or um, organizations that perhaps you might find contrary to Christian thinking. But I would also say that your role as a city, as a public official, is, is not to convert the masses. It's to rule righteously, to, to be um, the best politician for everybody, the person that hates God and the person that loves God. You represent them all. Yeah, it's great. Councilman Octavio Cesar Martinez, thank you for your time. It's great to see you as of always. Course. Thanks a lot for having me. And uh, God bless. And don't forget, when you're in town, we're going to get burgers. Let's do it. Sounds great. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.